the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Do you have a calling? You bet you do. Are people called into ministry today? Yeah, they are. And, but many Christians would affirm that, but they take sort of a two-headed approach to it. They say, I believe that pastors and elders and shepherds are called, but not me. I'm just a regular person. Well, God uses all of us. We're all regular people. We're all common, everyday people, but God uses us in extraordinary ways. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. And Lord, we pray for today, for today's message, that you would use it to help us to rethink church and our devotion to church and our devotion to Christ. So Father, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, we have kind of an unusual uh, sermon title, The Calling of Elders and You. It's part of our larger series, Rethinking Church, devoted to the church, which has really two questions there about how you think about church and what your devotion to the church is. Uh, our, Our Rethinking Church bids us to reconsider our attitude and understanding of the church. Being a member of the church is not like being a member of a health club where you can go, come and go as you please. It's more important than that. And Being a functioning, healthy church member in whatever role God calls you to play, your response to that is indicative of your love for Jesus. Because in the the final analysis, if you can take or leave church, then you can take or leave Jesus. And so that's why we're having this series, to kind of think about, why am I here at church, at this church? Where do I, where can I fit in? And what role will I ultimately play, knowing that maybe the ministry I'm in today may not be the ministry I'm in five years from now? 
So today, uh, I want to do two sermons for the price of one. I'm going to discuss the calling of elders as a model for your individual callings in this church. And again, uh, I want you to, to understand that the ministry you're in today may not be the ministry you're in tomorrow, next week, or next year. Uh, ministry is a lifelong affair, and as you grow and change, so does your ministry. And if you're just joining us today, this is part four of a, of a series that we're in about the church. It comes a few years after our study of First and Second Timothy, and if you've missed the first three messages, you'll still be able to track today, but you might want to go back and listen to the first three. So let's get started. I've heard people say, oh, she finally found her calling. And I've heard people say, he's, he's, he's connected with his calling. And I've heard a man say, I feel called to preach. And I uh, think back to homiletics class, preaching class years ago, where all these men who were called to preach were there. And we all stank. We did. We were just terrible. You know, there might have been one good guy in there. I remember somebody saying, well, I don't know that... He's not called to preach, but I'm not sure anybody's called to listen to that kind of stuff. But they were, and we grew, and you grow. Calling, where does the concept, the idea of calling come from? Well, it comes from the Bible, ultimately. Calling shows up in more than 50 pass, or 40 passages, beginning in Matthew's gospel, going all the way to Revelation. Here's a few. Matthew 4.21, talking about Jesus. And going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Matthew 9, 9, Jesus passed from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose, and he followed him. Then there's Matthew twenty two fourteen. For many are called, but few are chosen. And I could go on and on and on through the Gospels. But this concept also shows up in the epistles. Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle set apart for the Gospel of God. Romans 1.6, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Every Christian is called. Every Christian has a calling. Romans 8.28, and we know that God, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. In Romans 8.30, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Calling. We find calling from Romans to 1 Corinthians to Galatians to Ephesians to Colossians to the pastoral epistles to the general epistles all the way to Revelation. Everyone has a calling. Today we're going to really focus on the calling of an elder, but we're going to apply it to everybody. Because you're here on purpose. You're here in this building, in this church on purpose. You have a role to play here simultaneously and also a role to play on the stage that is God's unfolding drama of redemption. Paul talks about his own calling in Galatians. It's instructive for us. Shows the journey he took to get there. In Galatians 1, 11 through 16, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, 
how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the tradition of my fathers. But when he, who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach the gospel among the Gentiles, and Paul, as we know, answered that call. In similar fashion, God called Abraham and Moses. We read this, God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Do you have a calling? You bet you do. Are people called into ministry today? Yeah, they are. And, but many Christians would affirm that, but they take sort of a two-headed approach to it. They say, I believe that pastors and elders and shepherds are called, but not me. I'm just a regular person. Well, God uses all of us. We're all regular people. We're all common, everyday people, but God uses us in extraordinary ways. And this is where calling sometimes intersects or collides with your life, with a Christian's life. It's God who makes us useful through his calling upon our lives. And so today, we're going to look at the call to elders. We've already established that elders and overseers and pastors and shepherds are the same thing. What I want to do today is to look into the scriptures with you and establish their calling. I will look at, for starters, I'm just going to just kind of jump through uh, Acts 20, 28, 32. Uh, last week, you remember, Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders on his way to Jerusalem, and he says goodbye to the elders in verse 32. He says, uh, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. He tells them they're never going to see his face again, and they're crushed, they're devastated, and in agony they weep. But prior to that, in verse 32, prior to verse 32, Paul testifies or says that he's done all he can do to prepare them for the role, for the calling that they've had and in verses 26 to 27. And in verses 28 and 29, he warns them to expect wolves in various forms to attack the church, to try to scatter the flock, and some will even arise from within. And so in verse 31, he says, therefore, be on watch, be on alert. And then we actually have his actual warning to them. And uh, you see it here in his call. And he talks to them about their call in verses 26 to 28. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, wait, did you catch that? The Holy Spirit made them overseers. That's their calling. And then he talks about the ravenous wolves. And what we have here is an indication of a call to these men. Who were these men? Were they apostles and prophets? Nope. Were they special? Not at all. There was nothing special about them. They were just men. But men called by God to a special task. And in some way, men, human beings, like all of us, to recognize here that God calls all kinds of people to ministry and to minister. And that includes the office of overseer, 
but it also includes so much more within the church as well. It includes Sunday school teacher, hospitality folks, ushers, the building committee, the facilities team, whatever, you name it. Because just as much as the body, as we studied already, is made up of various parts fit jointly together, if everyone were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? And so all of us are called to something. I want you to keep that in mind as we work through this. I want you to understand this. A calling is not just for apostles and prophets. You have the Ephesian elders, and you know what? Think of Timothy. Timothy. He was a young man, a timid 30-something, single man, trying to step in and fill Paul's shoes when it became apparent that Paul was going to die. We read in 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7, where Paul is trying to encourage him because he's wobbly and he's frightened. And Paul writes to this young man, this young man who probably didn't consider himself up for the task. He writes this, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Timothy didn't feel capable or worthy, and Paul was reminding him that he had a call on his life. He affirms that call. God had prepared Timothy from his youth through a godly grandmother and mother. His father was an unbeliever. Timothy wasn't where he was with Paul by chance. Timothy was not even an apostle. He was a pastor. He was a church planter. He was a church fixer or repairer. A tender servant to Paul. Tender-hearted, fragile at times. And yet he had this call on his life, and he'll show up again in Acts and later in Hebrews. While other men, like Timothy, have been called and continue to be called. So the question is, well, first we know there is a call, but the question is, how does one know their call? How does one know if they have a call? How can we sense and confirm or affirm a call? How can we tell the difference between our preferences or selfish ambition or some desire that isn't quite right? How can we know? How can somebody who's senses the call to an elder now. How can you know? And what if you, you right there, have a call? Would you, will you answer it? Ask yourselves, am I willing to answer God's call to serve? Or is my schedule too busy for Jesus? So today, if you're sensing a call to be an elder or anything else, I'm going to explain to you how you can know that call is a call, how you can test that call, how you can discern that call, sense that call. So there are four tests that we can administer, that we can apply to ourselves and others. And the first test is the inward call. Some call it the 
subjective test. The inward or the subjective call. Where do we find it? We find it in 1 Timothy 1 through 2a. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, now we'll come back to the therefore. Because when you see a therefore, as somebody once told me, you always have to go figure out what the therefore is in fact therefore. Okay. But consider verse one. The saying is trustworthy, reliable. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. A desire, what is that? It's, it's an aspiration. It's a sense of duty, a sense of responsibility. It's a calling. Why is it called a subjective call? Because you only know that it's there. There's not a sign above your head that says, you know, called by God. It arises in your heart and your soul. You have this sense of responsibility. And you begin to wrestle with it. Maybe other people don't know about it. Maybe your spouse does. Who knows? But while it can't be measured, it can be tested. It can be detected. It must be tested. It's got to be scrutinized. And if credible, affirmed, supported, encouraged, and nurtured. Tested why? Tested how? Well, why and how? A call is a dangerous thing. If it's not answered, you're really opposing God. If it's not there and it's just selfish ambition, it could endanger the church, you know, like wolves arising from within. And so we have to be careful. And also, the call may be the beginning of the development of your ultimate ministry. And so it's a complicated thing sometimes. Particularly if if you're being called to be an elder, but what you're saying maybe, well, I'm an 84-year-old grandmother, where does that fit in? Well, God may be drawing you to a particular ministry. He may be drawing you to something else besides an elder, because the elder role, according to God's word, is reserved only for men. But what if you have a heart for the lost? Well, I'm 84. Well, yeah, you could minister at a nursing home. You could minister in a lot of places. But what if you have a heart for the lost and you're afraid to evangelize? It seems like a bridge too far. Well, if God is kind of drawing you towards it, maybe it's time to test the heart. I mean, remember Moses tried to push God off when he was called. So how do we know? How do we test that call? How do we evaluate it? And you you find that, number two, in the moral test or the character test. Wait, a moral test, a character test? Call it a maturity test. On what basis? Well, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 provide a menu of minimum moral or character requirements for leadership. That's why the therefore is therefore. The moral test for elders is applicable to all callings within the church. And we see in 1 Timothy 1, 3 through 7, 2 through 7, this. Therefore, an overseer must be 
above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. And later it'll go, likewise wives or likewise deacons or similarly or in the same way. These moral requirements would apply to any Christian striving or desiring to enter into some form of ministry anywhere within the church. Paul continues, He must manage his own household well, with all dignity keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church or any other ministry? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders. He can't be a blowhard, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. You see a similar list in First Timothy, uh, excuse me, Titus 1. And I'm not going to unpack these today, because we've already unpacked them in our study of the pastoral epistles. We've discussed them already. But what you see here in this moral test is sort of a readiness test, a a, a maturity test, a character test. Somebody may aspire to the office of elder. He may sense a call. But let's say if he's a drunk, probably, probably something's the matter there. If he isn't particularly friendly, he's not hospitable, that's going to be tough. If he's a new convert, you know it's not the time. Now, you may be a young man who wants to lead a small group or a young woman who wants to lead a small group. How long have you been a Christian? This is part of this test here. And uh, a few months, a few weeks. And do you get frustrated when people ask you those questions out of left field? You know, we always have, we call them extra grace required people, special people who, you know, when it's time to pray, and everybody's praying for five seconds each, they pray for five minutes. Or they talk, 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 and don't let everybody else talk. And if you can't manage that, maybe it's not time for you to be in a small group. But maybe it's time for you to apprentice under a small group leader and learn how. And if you're not clear-headed, you could end up like the deer in the headlights. And so these are the tests that are there that you can apply to almost any ministry in the church. And if, you're, if you quote-unquote fail, I don't like that word, the objective moral test, it at least calls into question the timing, right? You may be being called, but you're, that's going to be a journey that you start and you finish over here years later. It's one of the reasons we have a nominating committee, the leadership development team. When people are recommended or for a ministry, uh, they check them out, they vet them, they find out about them, eventually we talk to them, and then uh, they recommend them to the elders for final approval. They do this for every elected position in the church. And sometimes people inwardly sense a call, but their witness indicates and their testimony indicates that now is not the time. They don't yet have the track record that this passage in 1 Timothy calls for. That's why elsewhere it says, let them first be tested or let them first be apprenticed. Now, when we use the term objective moral test, it's a name that also speaks to the fact that you're spiritually where you need to be. And, and so a no right now isn't necessarily a no later on. It's, it's probably a wait, 
await and grow, wait and learn, wait and get better and more equipped. But once again, in 1 Timothy 3, 2, after the therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.